toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love you are listening to be the love to awaken our souls we are souls on the journey and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings We are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrienne Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. Namaste. My name is Nistella Joy Davy. This is Ron Interpreter, and you're listening to Be the Love Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. Thank you again so much for tuning in this week. I'm Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey with our special guest, Dr. Varun Gandhi. We are your co-hosts and souls on the journey, and we are on a mission to raise the consciousness of humans and the planet, and we need your help. Please spread the word to your family and friends and join us every week. Consider becoming a Patreon supporter or a sponsor to help with the operating costs like editing and the many hours we spend creating these shows with quality guests and content. And if you've resonated with our mission, support us in a way that raises your vibration to love. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to invite you to take a moment to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that's keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy and breathing out anything you are ready to release in this now moment. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself. And imagine breathing that light and love and send it back to all of humanity, remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. This is Brenda Carey of Be The Love Podcast, and I am excited to share with you one of my favorite new teas. It's called Miracle Tea. So if you're feeling bloated or uncomfortable, Miracle Tea is a natural herbal remedy designed to alleviate the bloating, flatulence, discomfort, and poor digestion. It's made from a blend of powerful herbs and spices, and this tea can help improve your digestion, reduce gas, and relieve bloating, allowing you to feel more comfortable and energized. And this is Stacey Musial of Be The Love Podcast. The ingredients in Miracle Tea work synergistically to promote healthy digestion. The peppermint, for instance, can help you relax the muscles in the digestive tract, allowing gas to move more freely and reducing bloating. So say goodbye to uncomfortable digestive issues and start really enjoying your favorite foods again with Miracle Tea. I know I personally have been using Miracle Tea daily and really have enjoyed noticing the difference and the benefits of my own digestion. You can visit 
the Love Abundance Store at drvarungandhi.com. And you can also listen to Dr. Varun's episodes at Be The Love Podcast, episodes number 106 and 160. Our guest today is Dr. Varun Gandhi. Dr. Varun is a life orchestrator, solopreneur, angel investor, inventor, philanthropist, and a water doctor. He enjoys orchestrating businesses, events, and ideas about the self, self-image that is. He is currently focused on creating a digital course called What's Your Story, which allows you to create your life film, a chart consisting of your memories, experiences, and defining moments that have left an impression. Each of these moments have a lesson to be learned for you. Your My Life film also allows you to create new meaning to your past experiences, create a new future you, and write affirmations that help maintain the new you. Dr. Varun Gandhi, thank you so much for being here with us again today. And for those of you who haven't heard his previous episodes, you can listen to episode 106, Create a New Story, and 161, Creating Optimal Health. So thank you again so much for being here today with us. Love and abundance, everyone. Thank you so much, Stacey and Brenda. I really appreciate being here and, uh, you know, having a chance to share my story again. Before we get started, I really quickly uh, want to invite everyone. I want to do this water ritual um, that I kind of started doing. Uh, and essentially, I want to remind people to drink more water because, you know, I think uh, uh, we don't drink enough water for mm. ourselves. And because of that, our health are, is deter, deteriorating. And I'll talk more about that in our next uh, interview about hydration. But I want to invite everyone to pick up their water bottles and let's all take a sip of water together. Cheers. Mm. cheers. Thank you. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Such a beautiful reminder because water really is, you know, the fluid of life. We're, we're what made of 80 to 85% water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 75% water and a lot of our uh, body organs, like a brain is 85% water. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's an essential key ingredient of life. And I don't think we uh, do justice to it. Uh, mm -hmm. But I want to share more of that and how it affects our health in the next session. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. So just for listeners not familiar with your previous episodes, I'm just wondering if you could give us a little brief overview about your journey and, and what's led you on this path and your own spiritual journey. Yeah, um, that's a great question. So I'm, I'm going to set the context here. Uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, I grew up in Dubai, uh, United Arab Emirates, and uh, essentially in a, which is about 75% Indian or people from the South Asian community. Um, that's the population of Dubai, the breakdown. 25% uh, is the locals. Uh, so we, we, were, we grew up in a Indian kind of uh, system even, uh, the schooling system, everything was something that was brought in from India you know, different private schools existed there. Uh, and so I, was, I grew up in this mindset that, you know, we have to work hard we have to, uh, which is nothing wrong with working hard, you know, have to do that. Uh, but it's like focused on this career path, focused on, hey, I got to graduate college, got to get this advanced degree. Uh, then the next step is get this amazing job, six-figure salary, 
uh, and, you know, work all your life, slave all your, all your life for this company that uh, sometimes doesn't value you enough. Uh, or they could be causing the destruction in the world and we choose to see a blind eye because we're getting, you know, this hefty salary. So that was the, the mindset going in. And 15 years of my life, all the time I was in Dubai, I moved to America when I was uh, 15. Uh, so my whole life in Dubai was focused on school. I didn't, I played uh, some sports here and there, and that was uh, kind of the highlights of my life, but otherwise it was books. Focus on books and memorize everything. And the, the style that I learned uh, of learning was to memorize everything. Because, mm. you know, there's only certain uh, textbooks that to use, memorize the whole textbook and whatever is, uh, you know, you'll know everything that's on the test because everything's going to come from that book. Mm. Uh, so I didn't have like critical, analytical, you know, that thinking that wasn't there. It's was just memorize, whatever, just memorize. Let's not try to make sense of it. So that was a style of learning in Dubai. And I move here uh, and I come into junior, uh, you know, high school, junior year. And I was totally lost. This was two months before 9-11. Uh, I started my school one month before 9-11. Uh, that was my first time ever attending high school in America. Now, coming into your junior year in the middle of high school, cliques have already been formed. People mm. already are in their groups. So they're not really welcoming to you know, an outsider who doesn't look like them, who doesn't speak English the same accent as them. You know, I had a really, really thick Indian accent when I first moved here. Uh, and uh, so I was very lonely. I felt, you know, like I didn't belong here, uh, especially the first, uh, I'd say about three months. Uh, I'd wake up in the morning, at least for the first month or so of going to high school and just with tears in my eyes, like I didn't want to go to school. Uh, and so I just cry, moan, groan, and do whatever, come up with excuses that why I didn't want to go to school and you know, didn't want to sit on the bus. But my mom would always, she had this one piece of like one thing that she told me is like, you know, just go for today. Just go today. Tomorrow, it'll get better, you know, and that kind of got me in this like hey let me just you know go through today see how it uh, how it unfolds and you know let's see how it goes so I, and I just took that every day said okay let's just go today let's just go today and every day slowly and slowly it got better and better and better because I started making friends I had someone to eat lunch with I didn't feel like I didn't belong I, you know that's that feeling kind of subsided uh, over time well but I was still focused on that career. Let me just study, study, study. Uh, the, the level of uh, education in America, uh, especially in high school, uh, compared to that where, where I was in, in Dubai and the Indian education system, is totally different. You know, the AP classes over here, which only a few students study, everyone is doing that over there. So calculus is, you know, AP calculus, AP math over here in 11th grade is what we do over there in 11th grade. Mm. but not everyone does it over here so when I entered I was started off at the very bottom I was in uh, this class called trigonometry and algebra and I was so advanced in that class that a couple of times when the teacher was absent we would have a sub in there but I was in charge of teaching the class or if there were any questions on the homework on the assignment mm. you know, they would come to me Mm. And I'm not bragging here, but I think I ended up uh, graduating that or leaving that class with uh, more than a hundred, you know, at the end of the end of the semester, mm. uh, because I had done that in like fifth, sixth grade over there, you know, and so it was 
just ingrained in me. And so, you know, slowly I realized like, hey, I am, I'm starting to like it here, um, but I need to need to challenge myself. And so I started taking some more AP classes and then I graduated, went to college. And now I'm in college, totally lost, didn't know what I wanted to do, what I wanted to focus on. Uh, my parents and my dad and his grand, my grandfather and my great grandfather all have been in one line of engineering called civil engineering. Uh, so that was always an option. But I said, you know what, I want to do something different. So, but I didn't know what that was. So I applied, uh, got into college as undecided engineering. Now there was this category for people like me who didn't know what they wanted to do. So I got in and then I started looking at different areas. And so one field I looked at was biomedical engineering, but that was kind of a new and up upcoming field. So eventually I ended up in civil engineering like my ancestors. Um, and so I graduated with undergrad in that. And then I took up an internship in between my undergrad and my master's. I already signed up to do a master's, which is a two-year program in civil and environmental engineering. Well, during this internship, I worked at a company sitting at a desk, looking at Excel files. Uh, there were a couple of projects where I had to go out into the field. So I got experience of you know, what it's like to be out there and actually apply some of the engineering principles. But I felt too uh, bottled in. You know, I felt like I, I, this role that I was in, even though it was an internship, I didn't have a lot of responsibilities as some, someone who was an actual engineer, uh, but I still felt like I didn't want to be here. So now I go back to college, start my master's, and within the first month or two, I'm like, see, that experience, internship, I didn't want to do that. So instead, I'm not going to graduate. I'm going to prolong my graduation, just stay in school longer. And so that, then I just switched over to a PhD program. And instead of being in school for maybe another year, year and a half, I was going to be in school for at least four to five years because I didn't want to go to that job. So now when I graduate my PhD, so this was five years later, I have three degrees from the same college and I started looking for jobs, going back to the same pattern, like, hey, let me just find something safe. And so I started looking for jobs I've, and uh there was a, a project manager who was part of my PhD program. So he, he was working for a company and he had an opening. So essentially, I just basically took my PhD and applied all of that into at that job. You know, and it was the most natural fit because what the job was exactly related to what my PhD was. Usually you don't get a lot of that because your PhD is so focused on one tiny topic when the job could be a broader you know, field. But mine was exact fit. And so I, I took up this job. A year into it, everything was going well, getting paid well. I was enjoying life. Uh, there was a lot of, um, actually, this, this was a time when I was going through my suffering as well. Right when I graduated, I, had, I, got, I went through this harsh breakup. And, uh, you know, it was, it was harsh, harsh on me. I mean, the breakup was very amicable. And, you know, but then after, after effects was like, whoa, this person had such a hold on my life. And so now I had to untangle myself from all of that. So when I moved to Idaho for this job that was perfect for me, I got into this kind of a self-destructive phase uh, because I didn't want to deal with it. You know, I was new in this city where I didn't know anyone. So I had all the time in the world to actually, you know, sit down with my thoughts, sit down with my feelings and kind of work through it, you know, and the, the reason for the breakup was 50% was me. So let me focus on that part, you know. But instead, what I was focusing on was how she was wrong, how she did all this to me. And, you know, I was just pointing the finger at this person that 
you know, didn't deserve it. And so to avoid all of that turmoil in my head, I would, I, I had a self-destructive phase uh, for at least a year or so. A lot of alcohol, a lot of drugs, even though I was working, but I, I didn't feel satisfied. I didn't feel happy. Um, and so I had to, you know, just and a lot of unhealthy food, which I kind of covered in the last uh, topic. And so that was, that was my life for about a year and a half. And then I went through, I felt this, I woke up with like a pain in my solar plexus. Uh, and every morning after that, I started waking up and that pain just got grew and grew and grew and got stronger and stronger and stronger. Uh, and I was trying to understand what this was. I went to the doctor, it, you know, he didn't diagnose anything. So medically I was fine. Then I was just like sitting with myself and trying to understand. And that was actually the first time I ever took this opportunity to sit with myself. Because up until this time, this was, I was 27, maybe 28. Up until this time, I was on that rat wheel, that rat race was running, 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 running without actually having the time to sit down and just be, and, you know, just kind of focus on myself. I was always externally focused at this point. So now I, I got to a phase where I have the solar plexus pain. It's, it's unbearable every morning. Uh, so I started just sitting down with myself and trying to understand what's going on. I also picked up this book by uh, Dr. Deepak Chopra called The Book of Secrets. Mm -hmm. I started reading that book. It, it's actually a really advanced, high-level book. You know, mm -hmm. It is. It's one of my favorite books by him, though. It I was, highly, yeah, highly recommend. Yeah. It's probably I, one of my first books I picked up, too. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, I, I didn't understand most of it. 95% of it just went over my head. It was just a little bit. Like, I think he mentioned something about meditation, and that's when I started diving into it and really you know, looking at what, what is this meditation? So I Googled it and started you know, doing my own research about it. Uh, so this time I left my job because uh, that pain, what I understood was that this job was kind of going back to an internship. I had already realized it. Like, I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to be doing this because I felt bored. And, you know, this just wasn't it for me. And the same feeling started coming up a year and a half into this job. And so eventually it took me about a few months to say, you know what, I'm done with this, you know, accept that decision for myself. And then like any Indian household, I defied my parents because mm -hmm. they're like, no, you got to stick with this job. You went to 10 years of college for this and you're going to give it up. You know, you're, it's a well-paying job. What are you going to do? I was also the age of getting married, you know, in our culture. And so it's like, if you don't have a job, then how are you going to find someone? You know, they value all these things. And so... And all these questions were in my head. But finally, again, it took me another month or two to convince them, like, hey, this is best for me. And so finally, I left my job. And this was Thanksgiving 2014. Uh, Thanksgiving 2014, yeah. Uh, and I, I left that job in Idaho, and I moved back home to Atlanta. Uh, this is where I got I graduated, and my whole life was there. My family was there. So I said, let me just go back. A lot of friends there. Now, all this while I was exploring a meditation. So when I moved into this new space, I said, this is the perfect time to set a ritual for meditation, a practice. And so I created a, uh, I wrote myself a journal just for the month to establish this practice, you know, the first month. I said, okay, let me sit down five minutes and start meditating and write down what my experience was going into the meditation, you know, my thoughts before the meditation how I felt during the meditation. Were there any things that came up during the meditation? Any thoughts that I held on to, anything like that? And then 
how do I feel after the meditation, right? And then time myself. How long did I actually last? Uh, because initially I said, hey, I'm going to sit for 15 minutes. And then I realized I couldn't barely last for two and a half minutes. <laughs> so like initially, yeah. like that initial phase is rough with meditation. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's bombarding. Like your thoughts are constantly going on, going on, going on. Like I didn't, I didn't have that quiet phase in my life ever. And so, you know, it felt like I was at the top of the ocean where the water is really turbulent, you know, the, yeah. the cruise that's really turbulent. Uh, and so I felt like that's where I was. And then with meditation, with consistently keeping that practice over a long time, I finally felt like I was settling in, going deeper into that ocean and going into calmer waters, you know, but that took five years of meditation. I think you bring up a really, really important point because most people quit. And I've done this, I admit. I started and stopped meditation and my yoga practice for, I don't know how many months, probably almost a year before I actually just said, okay, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to make it more of like a curiosity practice. How long can I last before I get bombarded and the waves of emotion flood in? So yeah, that would definitely be my encouragement to listeners. Like if you're that person that's like, oh, I could just never meditate and, and you give up, you know, just encouragement to stick with it. Cause as you're saying, there are so many benefits. It's just getting through the really rough seas, I think is, is the hardest part. I totally agree. And I have a couple of pointers for that as well on how I went. Great. Um, so this was my practice. I would uh, set a five minute timer on my phone because I realized number one distraction. I mean, after the thoughts in the head, the second distraction is the phone. And yep. so I would set a five minute timer, put it to good use and put it far away enough from me. So I don't want to, you know, like just grab it. <laughs> right. So I put it far away on the other side of the room and just sit down with my journal, start writing. This is the time I started. This is uh, how I feel right now. Uh, and this is how long I'm going to last. That's my goal. I last or not. That's fine. Uh, yeah. first I started off with five minutes, but I wouldn't even do that in the, I think first two, three months, it took me a while to build up to five. Again, there were times like Brenda, you said you wanted to give up. I wanted to give up so many times. Uh, there were days where I, I would miss, but I would find a way to get back to it. Right. So the sooner, the better. And over time I, I realized that, okay, maybe the first break would be a, a year. Second break would be six months. Third break would be two months fourth break would be a day right and so you're like the time you take off from that practice slowly slowly reduces because it becomes easier to sit in that practice or to perform that practice right and so stick with it it gets easier and once you get to that five minute mark then you can slowly go up and say okay let me try seven minutes let me try nine minutes let me try 10 minutes right slowly slowly keep increasing it uh, a lot of people start off with, hey, I'm just going to start off with 30 minutes. And I started off that way. I said 20 minutes was going to be my thing, but it doesn't work. Start off small. That baby steps is, that's where I come from. When I switched from uh, vegetarian to plant-based, I took baby steps. One thing at a time, let me just switch over. And it took me six months to completely make that transition. Yeah. And I would even add on, like, even as a seasoned meditator, there are seasons of my life where yes, 20 minutes is definitely doable. And then life happens and the storms come and I'm not able to maintain that. And maybe it is only back to five minutes, but I'm still doing at least a little something every day. 
And then when I feel like I'm in a more solid place, then I bump it back up. So I think that some people think, oh, it's this pinnacle when I can get to the largest number of minutes, whatever that is for you, but know that life comes and brings situations that we may not be able to maintain that, but it's always there in the background. It just might look different from, you know, personal season to season. That is very true. Yeah. I I go through that as a phases as well. Um, yeah. Cause you have a baby at home, right? I remember when my, when my girls were newborns, like 20 minutes meditation, please. Mm-hmm. No, that usually didn't happen. Cause I was either so sleep deprived or I mean, maybe while they were napping, I could get a longer practice in, but sometimes I fell asleep. So <laughs> it just depends on what's going on in, in our own lives. Or they try to uh, climb in your lap when you're meditating. My son used yeah. to do that all the time. <laughs> hey, that's actually good. Then he's actually being exposed to meditation. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I would include him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And Brenda, to your point, I was actually going to come back to, I'm going to end this whole session with the point of, we have seasons, right? And we go through yeah. circumstances change over time and values change over time, passion, purpose change over time. Uh, and, you know, we have the power to change along with those, right? So, but a lot of us get stuck in, hey, I'm just going to stay w- with whatever I'm doing because this is the easiest thing to do. So I was going to get back yeah. to the end in my career. Yes. Yeah, so, so kind of with that, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, what was that transition? Because now you're you're in the health and wellness field. And and so what was the inspiration for that jump from, you know, being in the engineering field to, you know, doing what your family wanted to? It sounds like they supported you to, to leave and then finding that path for yourself. Yeah. So while I was go- feeling that pain in my solar plexus, right, at this point, I was more focused on the thinking mind, not the body, not the feeling, not the intuition. So the first point that I wanted to make today was that is listen to our bodies. Our bodies have, are constantly sending us messages. You know, even when you feel uncomfortable, like for example, you ate something, your body feels uncomfortable. Hey, that's a message for you not to eat that thing again, or at least mm-hmm. avoid it, limited, whatever you can. But that thing is causing your body to feel uncomfortable. Now, do you really want to feel uncomfortable throughout your life like that? No, right? So it's, it's sending us a message to do something about it. Now, that was a message that it took me a few months to actually pay attention to, hone into, to really, and I, I feel like since that experience, I've started starting to do it more often where I would pay attention to my body. What is my body telling me? And sometimes I, I don't listen to it right away. It, you know, the message doesn't come right away for me. So it takes me a, a week, two weeks, three weeks to continuously honing in on it and, you know, kind of understanding what direction I want to go in in my career path. So going back to my career path, I, so once I left that job, uh, I moved back to Atlanta, moved in with, the, with the, a former roommate of mine who was also an entrepreneur. So him and I came up with this idea of, hey, we have experience in the field of uh, education consulting. Let's help international students, anyone who wants to come to America or any international country for higher education, for college, for MBA, for a PhD, for a master's degree. Let's help them go through the process. Let's help them identify what they're really passionate about, uh, what colleges to, what programs to apply to, fill out the application process with them, go through their essays, the letters, recommendation, all of that, and help them through the whole process. And that was the most natural fit. So through that experience, now, 
28 years of my life, I was in engineering. I had no other experience whatsoever, no experience of running a business, no experience of marketing, no experience of anything else. It was just focused on engineering and skills. So now I go start off this consulting startup and I was, I, I think I naturally gravitated towards marketing. So I was constantly thinking about, okay, how can we grow this? How can, you know, we have this process, we have the system set up. What can I do to take this to the next level? And so this is where I started teaching myself because I had no experience with marketing. I didn't know what that was, but this is where I started teaching myself tactics. Now, this is 2015 and blogging was huge. So I got into the whole blogging world. I started creating a whole content plan, uh, putting together, like Facebook was big at that time as well. So putting together a digital media plan, all of this. And I did it by reading blogs, by watching videos, by teaching myself. I didn't go to college for it. I didn't have a degree in it. I didn't have a certification. In it. And I feel like, and this is one of the things that I've learned through my uh, 38 years of existence is that if we want to learn something and we are, you know, we have something driving us, no matter what, we can pick up that information and find ways to apply it. What do you think? I'm just curious, like, as far as like that drive, like what, you know, would you, and when I hear that, I think soul, I think, you know, purpose, like there's a higher something driving. And I'm just curious, like what that might've been for, for you. Yeah, it, I think it's, that's what it is. It's like my, my heart was singing every time I was, you know, helping someone promote their stuff. Right. Uh, I didn't realize it this whole time. I was like, oh no, I want to do something for myself. Like I want to create my own brand, my own thing. But I said, at some point I thought like a couple of years ago, I thought, you know what? There are so many amazing solopreneurs out there. People who are, who have meditations, the yoga teachers, they are healers, podcasters like you guys. I mean, there's so many great people out there who have their services, who want to heal the world, share these messages, constantly talking about it. Right. And I thought, you know what? I think it's, I have the skill of marketing, promoting, and there are these people out there who may not, who may lack the skill, but they're really amazing at whatever um, healing tactic they have, right? The healing modality. So why not help, help them? And that's where it started. I started putting all the pieces together. It was, my whole journey has been of finding my passion, finding my purpose. Like, what is that thing that I want to get into? Right. And I'm starting to realize, and this is the last, the revelations in the last year, a couple of years is that marketing is that thing. Uh, so because every entrepreneurship, every startup that I've been in, I've always focused on the marketing aspect. How can I spread the word? Thinking about mm -hmm. new tactics, right? Uh, something innovative, creating, and you know, there's a lot of creativity in marketing as well. Because, and that's the other thing I like about it is I, I, I've realized that I'm a creative person. I've suppressed it for a lot of my life, but in the last seven, eight years, it's kind of flourishing more and more. And marketing has ultimate creativity. You know, mm -hmm. you, you have to come up with the idea, execute it. Uh, and even the execution part is is you know creating some digital product or something. Uh, content that you know you put out into this world so uh, that's where I started aligning the uh, aligning the the dots that hey marketing is where I'm at well and that's something that I'm good at passionate about I really care about it let me focus on this and so 
through all of the health and wellness entrepreneurships that I've been in, um, you know, again, meditation played a huge role in this because I, before I was in this education consulting startup and a couple of years in, I wanted to switch into something that was more heart focused because I picked up this meditation practice. I started realizing this is where I want to be at. So it's kind of fine tuning my, my radar and, you know, moving towards health and wellness. And that's when I got into this whole world of, Hey, let me help uh, Stacy's and Brenda's of the world. Mm, that's really beautiful. It sounds like you were able to not only, you know, step into your alignment and like what felt good, but really also listen to that part of you that was leading the way that the soul being soul led, being heart led and having a higher vision and higher purpose for, for your life. And, and, you know, so what was that like for you to really, truly deepen that relationship with your, with yourself and, and listen and, and let that part of you lead the way? It was initially, it was very new to me because I am this left, left brain, uh, you know, the technical looking at the details that that was my PhD. And that was my whole life for 28 years. Right. So when I was getting into intuition and the right brain creativity and all of that was so foreign to me. I remember back in in Dubai when you know, uh, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, we had this class, art class. And, you know, it was like once a month, I think. And we would go in that class. They'd give us you know, once a week. Right. And they would ask us to draw something, paint something, you know, whatever the, the craft is, but create something. And. I wouldn't want to do it. So I would have my mom do it. Last minute, I'd be like, oh, I have this assignment due today. You know, I'm leaving for school in 10 minutes. Can you just put something together? So my mom would just draw something really quickly and just do it for me. Right. And that's how programmed I was in this left brain. Like, I just got to focus on studying and books and all that, all this creative, creative stuff that is not important for my life. Right. And so when I got out of the engineering field, this is when I began exploring. And just being curious, like you said earlier, uh, curiosity is, I think you can do wonders with it. You learn anything you want to learn just by being curious. You can pick up any skill just by being curious. And that's what I've done so far. I mean, you look at the, my website and the list of skills that I've picked up uh, in the last eight, nine years all around marketing. It's just phenomenal what you can do. I love how you tied in the creative spirit of what what would seem like marketing being more left brain, but how we can tie in both of those aspects um, and you're able to do that. So I'm curious, what would you say to someone who is very left brain, who is very logical and analytical and wants data and doesn't care too much about the art class assignment, like what can help kind of cross those brain hemispheres over so we can, you know, kind of get ourselves out of our own way, that rational mind that wants answers, that wants an exact plan, and we can allow spirit to lead. How, like, what are either some practices or tools that you use to kind of help cross those two brain hemispheres? I'd say the thing that helped me was meditation. Yeah. I think meditation has unraveled a lot for me. Um, and you know, it helped me create this space of emptiness. I think that's what one of the benefits of meditation is, uh, you know, when I get into my creative space, it's, it's initial, an initial space of emptiness. You know, it's like an empty cup, like I'm holding this empty cup 
And then whatever I want to be creative about is I start adding those thoughts to this cup, right? And that's that's what generates the, the creativity for me. So I think I would say finding a meditate or it doesn't have to be meditation like you know in the traditional form. It could be any kind of uh, med, uh, any kind of like meditative practice. Maybe that's for some it's playing sports, right? They get into the zone. They get into this. Hey, maybe that's that's their space of creation. Uh, but finding a way to get to that, right, where you're totally lost in whatever you're doing and you're not thinking about anything else and you're literally just in the flow of things while you're creating something new. So finding a way to get to that space because logical, analytical, I have friends that are very technical, right, even right now, right? And they, uh, they're constantly thinking, they're constantly analyzing, constantly just thoughts, 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 thoughts taking a pause from that meditation is another thing that helped me do that is hey, let me put a little bit of space between all of these thoughts and myself because I'm not those thoughts uh, and when I started to do that more and more I was able to get into that space of emptiness get into that space of like being that empty cup and then start filling it with all of the creative ideas and thoughts so Thank you so much for sharing that, Varun. I think that's such a beautiful connection to the creativity and really getting our thoughts out of the way. And so, you know, and getting ourselves out of the way and being able to just step into, you know, letting go of that and creating space so we can create some of that creativity and flow in our lives as well. And so as we're starting to wrap up, uh, I would like to invite you, yeah, tell our listeners where they can find you and what you're currently working on. So this brings me to back to the point of Brenda about, uh, you know, life circumstances and how things can change over time. So I've always had, the, I've had this entrepreneurial spirit for the last about seven years uh, and then more and it's coming out more and more. So this year I, I had this idea of putting together a juice bar. And so starting in around December or so, I went into hibernation and put together a menu, put together the, all of the creative aspects. Again, the creative side of me came out. I just sat at my computer and put all of this together, the artwork and everything, put the website together and you know, essentially me building this idea. And then we started looking for locations. So we took about three, four months. I had a couple investors as well took about three, four months, put all of this together, find a, found a location. And this was about three weeks ago, about maybe two or three weeks ago. We, we were at a location. We have about to sign it. We had the DocuSign, which essentially is like, once you sign it, you're locked into the lease. At that moment, I, I was reevaluating my whole life. At that moment, I started to realize that what I value right now is not actually building something because this juice bar would have taken 14 to 15 hours of my day. The rest would be sleep. And, you know, this juice bar would be the rest of the time. So mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't have time with my family. I wouldn't have time with my kid. So I said, what I really value right now is that I'm enjoying this time with my family. I won't get to travel. I'll be stuck here grounded for at least two years if I go, uh, go through with this, uh, with the plan. And so I, I canceled the lease. I told him I'm not interested anymore. And instead, I'm going to find something. Now, it's actually going back to that internship. I'm going to actually find a job where, but in marketing, not, not engineering, in marketing, something I really love. Mm. 
pushing for a purpose or passion you know, or, or a cause that I care about. So mm-hmm. I'm actually looking for specific roles within certain companies that something that I care about and something that I'm passionate about, but it also gives me the time flexibility to be with my child or family, mm-hmm. go on trips and you know, not be tied to work as much. So this was that whole change in circumstances and realizing like, hey, mm-hmm. I don't value this anymore. You know, the juice bar can always happen in the future. It's, um, it's not shut down yet, uh, completely. It's just not right now, not the right mm-hmm. time. That's where I'm at. I love that because then there, you know, there's flexibility, right? And and even though there was this plan, this trajectory that was, you know, you had, there's also room for recognition of, okay, where are my values and what's, what am I aligned with right now? And recognizing that even though you make this plan doesn't mean it's right for right now, but doesn't mean it's a no either. And so I think that's another beautiful message as we're talking about creating goals and visions for ourselves. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be this black or white and, you know, there's some fluidity there and, and, you know, and and giving ourselves grace when we want to change our mind, because that, you know, something doesn't feel good in that moment anymore. That's okay. We can always come back to it. I also want to add one last thing is that, you know, we are very flexible beings our minds are very flexible where we are, I feel like once we are stuck in, or once we are in one career, we feel like, oh, this is all we can do and nothing else applies to me, right? But I just want to share that that is not true. Mm-hmm. You can go switch back and forth as much as you want. There's no like this exact trajectory that you have to follow. If you want to be a, uh, you know, want to work for someone, that's fine. If you want to be an entrepreneur, go out there and do it. You can switch back and forth at any time. Uh, I just wanted to share that, you know, don't get stuck in one line of thinking. Absolutely. There's, there's freedom and flexibility and, and, you know, we don't have to um, be stuck in a box, right? We can, there's so much fluidity and, and I think, yeah, recognizing that is really, really important. So thank you, Varun, for being here with us again today and sharing this space to have this beautiful, beautiful conscious conversation. And thank you for listening to Be The Love podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to our show, please share the love by sharing it with your friends and family, giving us a five-star written review on iTunes and Spotify, or liking us on Facebook. And please consider supporting our mission to awaken our souls with a monthly donation that helps us with the operating costs of this podcast so we can continue to spread the love. To contribute, please visit our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash Be The Love podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Time. Thank you, Heatherlyn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heatherlyn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions, 
with a beautiful design and graphic. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining. <laughs>